Yeah, 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 what's good, what's good? Peace, peace. Welcome to another edition of Out the Box Talks. I'm your host, Krill. I got my co-host. Peace and blessings, peace and blessings. This is A-Level The Wiz, you know what it is. South Bronx Finest, A-Level The Flyers. What's good, man? How you doing, man? I'm, I'm glad to have you back in the seat. Good to be back, good to be back. Yes, man. This is a special episode today, man. I'm really, really feeling the guest that we have today, man. Yes, sir. We got a real treat for y'all this morning. That's what's up, man. So without further ado, um, I have a brother on the line that is no stranger to lyricism, to emceeing, to just putting his art form out there and representing hip-hop in the fullest mm-hmm. form. Yep. Who do we have on the line today, A-Level? We got none other than the uncanny, the incomparable Last Emperor on the line with us. Welcome, brother. Welcome. One, two, one, two. Hear ye, hear ye in the place to be. I go by the divine title of TLE, His Imperial Majesty. The Last Emperor here to give you more than what you're bargained for. And I just got back from another world tour. So the -the out-the-box listeners and viewers, to Brother Krill, Brother A-Level, and all the party people, Throughout the universe, I greet you again with peace. Much, yes, much sir. respect, man. Wow, that, that got to be the best <laughs> intro I've heard from That's an dope. artist. He, he opened it up spitting. with a rhyme. You know what I mean? That's dope. That's what I'm talking about, man. So what's good, man? What is going on? First of all, thank you for taking the time to call us up today. We really appreciate you taking a moment out of your time. Tell us what's going on with you. Well, I just want to say off top, um... I want to thank you, brothers, uh, for the job that you do in promoting the culture in its purest form. When you first reached out to me, one of the first things I do is do the knowledge and, and research the platform that would like to, to have me to make sure that they're, you know, about business and about, you know, um, just positivity and creativity. And so I listened and viewed some, some of your uh, previous episodes, right. in particular, the one uh, questioning is hip hop is still a culture. So once I viewed that, I knew that you gentlemen were doing a very, very important work for our culture, which in a sense is under attack. Now we'll get into that probably Mm -hmm. later on in in, in our conversation, but Mm -hmm. what you brothers are doing and documenting this culture is very, very serious, especially in a time and an age where there's a sea of other platforms out here. Some of them put our, our culture in a, in a not so positive light. Some attempt to make some strides towards serious dialogue, but you brothers are hitting the nail on the head and I appreciate you. And I'm very, very thankful that you reached out to me. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. It means so much to, to hear that from a legend like yourself. And we're basically just trying to preserve this stuff for our children and generations to come. A lot of people don't really seem to understand this about our music. This is legacy, bro. This is legacy. man. Yes, sir. Definitely. Yes, sir. Much, much respect, man. I really appreciate that. Thank you. So, I mean, what's what's um what's been new, man? What's been happening with you, man? I we we definitely want to go a little bit back, but I just want to get an idea of where you at currently. You know, as far as you know, what's happening in your life right now, brother? Yes, sir. Um, you know, currently just 
much like any anyone else, you know, I'm sure you you, you gentlemen can agree mm -hmm. that just you know um, just living life, trying to keep the lights on and Indeed. trying to keep a roof over your head and food, clothing, and shelter is first and foremost. So you know, um, you know, I'm I'm able to do that uh, in 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 a in a right way and in a positive way, and so that frees me up. In right. terms of uh, my, 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 my musical endeavor, so right. to speak, or being creative. So, you know, the past, you know, I had a, obviously a little bit of a lull in terms of the activity, in terms of putting out records, anything like that. But then within the past, perhaps uh, three or four years or so, I uh, linked up uh, with a brother by the name of Hawk Fillmore. Yes, We've yes. put out two projects within the past two years, uh, the first being... Uh, uh, character that I, that that I developed and brought to him entitled Jungle Gem. Right, right. Uh, we put out se season one of that project in 2018, and then uh, in 2019 uh, we put out another joint project entitled uh, Lord of the Fly. So you know th those um, those are the result of you know I'm I'm going to be perfectly honest. You know you have some artists who are able to constantly put out uh, records or whether it be mixtapes and things of that nature. But I've never really been that fast of a writer. Of mm. course, if it's like, you know, if it's a feature or somebody just wants a few bars or something, I never had a problem with that. But I always strive to put out projects that, you know, just that old school feel of, you know, you can listen to it from start to finish. You know, not a lot of album filler. Everything kind of means something and is intertwined. So for me in particular, in order to do that, it takes a little bit of time. Right. So, um, you know, the, those years that people hadn't heard from me, you know, just the same things, the uh, ups and downs, the peaks and valleys that mm -hmm. every other, you know, uh, young brother, middle-aged brother now, you know, I'll be 48 this year. So, wow. you know, wow. everything that anybody else in, in, in our uh, cipher goes through, I go through too, you know, family uh, issues and again, just keeping the lights on and, and, and along the way striving to be creative. So, yeah. Those two projects are, are what I, you know, kind of put out there recently, you know, every now and then someone may ask me to do a feature or something to that effect. But, you know, that's pretty much been it. Indeed, indeed. And I, I and we, we totally understand the grind, man. So definitely thank you for sharing that. Now, I want to go a little bit back just to get a little history on yourself. I'm sure your diehard fans know this, but we have a lot of people that may be listening to our show that may not be aware of you. So um, just for the people out there listening, man, tell us how your journey to become an MC began. Um, well, I grew up in a, a section of West Philly called Cobbs Creek. Um, I still live there to this day. Still always, I never really... You know, as far as I've been living in Philly, um, have never really got gone outside of the West Philly area. Um, so 15 minutes to the left of me, uh, people like Jazzy Jeff live. 15 minutes to the right of me, uh, the Will Smith, the Fresh Prince live. I went to uh, Overbrook High School, class of 1989. It's one of the, uh, if you ever watch any of the Will Smith films, he always has the Overbrook uh imprint on his films and a lot of his work very popular high school to me it was it, it, in my opinion during the golden age the most uh, notable hip-hop high school in philly i'll give you an example of some of the artists who have been in and around this high school 
Uh, Will Smith graduated, I, mean, I think, maybe two or three years before I did. Um, Steady B went to high school. He was uh, uh, maybe two years uh, ahead of me. Uh, cool C. Um, the, uh, the youngsters who are also from the same, basically same neighborhood. Um, again, this entire area, just West wow. Philly in general, you know, when I, when I think of, um, one of the common themes in hip hop is around the neighborhoods, which have produced some of the artists who have gone on to, I mean, let's just look at, first of all, you know, the, the, the South Bronx, which is the birthplace as we know of hip hop. Mm, yeah. Then if you want to go to certain neighborhoods, like, you know, I lived in, I lived in Brooklyn for six years as well. Wow, uh, borderline, okay. uh, uh, Brownsville, um, that area. Like so, East New York over there, Brownsville. I came, exactly. I yeah. came to understand, you know, from being out there, you know, that they gave the world people like, well, if we go to East, to the East, to East New York way back, we got like, you know what I mean? The Fat Boys. To me, they were one of my favorite groups growing up. Mm -hmm. um, we go to, you know, Brownsville, East New York. We got obviously Boot Camp. We got MOP. Right. We got, you know what I mean? Just a lot. Smooth the Hustler, Trigger, Trigger the Gambler. gambler. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just neighborhood, that theme of neighborhood. So, yeah. My, in my opinion, my neighborhood and the surround, immediate surrounding areas, when you think of Philly and you think of artists who have gained international and national attention, it's, it's us hands down. Now, sure, there are other regions like South Philly gave us Beanie Siegel and Black Thought, two of the most powerful MCs ever. Yep. But in my neighborhood, pound for pound, again, we got Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. We got Cool C, Steady B. We got the Youngsters. We got Bahamadia. We yeah. got Schooly D, who was who was many in many people's opinion the forefather to gangster rap. You wow. know, we have myself and a and a whole plethora of underground artists who may who may have had some national exposure, ill advised, uh, you know, uh, Reef the Lost Cause, people like that. But right. I grew up in West Philly. Um, went to West Philly schools. I've been writing rhymes and just active in hip hop since its inception. You know, I can remember when there was no hip hop. And then I had an uncle who, who was 13 years older than me. He would take me to like skating rings and block parties. And I just started hearing this, this music emerging in the early eighties, like 81, 82. And I was like, what is that? And so, you know, I became exposed at that, at that age, I would say like 11, 12 to really, really sitting down, writing rhymes myself. Mm -hmm. I have to, uh, also, um, just like in the New York area during the golden age, people grew up with uh, Red Alert, Marley Maul, Mr. Magic, you know, um, and, and all of those people were here in Philly. We had a radio DJ, a sister by the name of Lady B. Mm -hmm. And if you go back and listen and or look at the album credits on a lot of those early artists, when they're thanking people on the back, right after they finished thanking all the New York DJs, they would thank Lady B. So she was like our version of just keeping us up on everything new and fresh. She's also, uh, as history goes, the first female artist to put out a single. Um, it was called To The Beat Y'all. She even went on after she did a radio, you know, sometimes radio jocks, they go from station to station, city to city. Well, she ended up landing on WBLS there in New York City in the early 90s. So having her and listening to her every Friday, Saturday, or what have you, in, in the early 80s, it got me very much um, enthralled with the culture, seeing it. You know, I can remember seeing Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince before they became large. I remember seeing Schooly D, places like the Wind Ballroom and the 52nd Street YMCA. 
again, this is like early 80s, mid 80s, before these people even had records out. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to see that era and, you know, it, it, it sparked something in me to want to be an artist myself. Wow, brother. You know, I you just educated us, you know, yes. especially on Lady B, man. That's something that I, I wasn't even that familiar with. You know what I mean? But, um, right. you know, we, we, right. we grow on, you know, so. I just, I just want to even, I just, I want to, I want to also mention this. There was a record label here called pop art records run by Lawrence and Dana Goodman. Mm. When you go back and what, and study the story of Roxanne Shante and Molly Maul, when they first came out, even before prism records, they were on, they were dealing with pop art records, which is a local label here. Mm. Now these gentlemen, Lawrence and Dana Goodman are the father and uncle of the youngsters which is how they got into the wow. game. So when I grew up, when Shantae first came out, we all thought she was from Philly because she spent so much time down here. <laughs> so I'm just making the connections that, dope, dope. you know, we've always, a lot of people don't know Philly. We always been, you know, uh, very respectful and in the mix. When you look at uh, places, old school spots like Latin quarters and the rooftop and union square, it will always, you know, it'd be one or two Philly cats that might have been getting money in the streets that went up on a Friday or Saturday night, learned what they could about the culture and then came back and kept us abreast of things. That's why, you know, it's, it's, you know we, we're fortunate to be an hour and a half away from the birthplace and right. we've contributed as much as we have. And people don't speak on Philly contribution to hip hop enough. You know what I'm saying? Because. People, yes, pe people forget about the whole Hilltop Juice Crew beef battle as well, too. You know mm. what I'm saying? Right, right, right. And that's where it, that's where it stemmed from. Like, I know a lot of people were wondering, well, wh where are these guys from West Philly just out of the clear blue dissing the Juice Crew? But it was a situation where, you know, certain people felt like once Marley and, you know, all of them got on and got noticed, they didn't, I guess, reach back to some of their beginnings and the help that they got from here. Right. So that's what prompted, like, Cool C and all that to, you know, respond in, in that way. But um, it's always been love. And even if you look at it, if you notice, there's always been, in my opinion, a Philly-New York connection, especially when it comes to Brooklyn. If mm. you remember DJ Miz and Fresco, I don't know how old y'all brothers are, but they, they won like the battle of world supremacy back in the, in the early nineties. Mm. And it used to be a contest that was like the best DJs in the world, best MCs. Mm. So we had Fresco and Miz who Miz was, you know, we've always been known for our DJs, uh, Jazzy Jeff, um, you know, cash money, people like that. So DJ Miz won for that category and DJing. And I think 90 or 91, he also went to my high school. Mm. Fresco, which is an MC from Brooklyn, won the MC uh, part of that competition. So they linked up and became a group called Fresco and Miz in the early 90s. Then you might have Bahamadia. She links up with Gangstar. She's from West Philly. Mm. You know, they I know they they originated in Boston and Dallas or what mm. Texas or whatever, but ended up in Brooklyn. So that's that connection. Mm. Then you look at Beanie Siegel and State Property linking yes. up with Jay Z. Yes. Yes. Then you look at some, and you know an artist such as myself. You know, linking up with, like I said, I lived in my, me and my homie Q, we basically did, got into the, the, the industry, you know, just as guys who went to college together, had an idea similar, came from similar backgrounds. He brought me out to Brooklyn. I got immersed in the Brooklyn culture. That's my second home. I also have fam physical family out there as well. Yes, yes. So that connection is all, that connection has always been there. And I always do what I can to strive to, you know, put that out there and make it more known. 
And Chris is another Brooklyn connect because even though he was repped the Bronx, he was from Brooklyn as well too. So exactly, a, exactly, and his proteges as well exactly. too. So you know, that's crazy. Exactly. Can you um? Exactly. I just want to go into you know, you know your transitions because what I've studied in your, your with your career, you've gone through quite a few different you know transitions in your career. Um, from yes, sir. aftermath, I was like, "Wow!" Last Empress signed the aftermath. You know, I wonder what yeah. that's gonna sound like. That's gonna be crazy. I mean, Jock the Dre, Last Emperor. Right. You know, could you just explain that transition from that era to the raucous era? You know, for the fans, definitely. Um, well, kind of like the way I like to draw it up is like Dr. Dre selected me. Interscope rejected me. Prince Paul perfected me, mm. and the RZA resurrected me. Ooh. So that's like that's how I, that's that's how I draw up the timeline. That's the short version. Now, <laughs> I went to Lincoln University and studied political science in the early '90s. Graduated with a degree of uh, political science and international relations. Another brother who was in the political science department with me, my homie Q, again, he's from Brownsville. We were like two peas in a pod when it came to the political science department. We were kind of like rough around the edges, came from the hood, kind of applied everything we learned to just examining our neighborhoods and why our neighborhoods were in those conditions. And so we just, we just, you know, we just linked. Now, while we were at Lincoln, uh, a gentleman by the name of Damon Johnson, my homie Dame Dollars, uh, he told me that uh, he would uh, he was going out after he got out. He's a few years younger than me. Mm -hmm. So Q and I, we left in 1995. We graduated in 95. Um, we start pursuing the, the music. I, I make a demo in 95, 94, 95. Once I got out, I had a demo tape that was circulating throughout the tri-state area. So a good friend of mine named Damon Johnson, Dame Dollars, who also went to Lincoln, mm -hmm. we went back up there uh, to Lincoln. Actually, we we did a homecoming performance, and we and I opened up for KRS-One. That was my first time meeting KRS-One mm -hmm. in '95. Okay. Um, I opened up for Chris. Chris gave me the stamp of approval. Like, yo, this guy right here, he's dope. <laughs> You know, and it was like one of those sort of things where mm. like everybody at the at the school was like, yo, if you got the stamp of approval from Chris, you are official tissue. <laughs> so, Dame, I had a copy of the demo. Dame, Dame was like, look, when I graduate, I'm going out to California. My brother has a, a film company called Geronimo Films, and he works with Dr. Dre mm. on videos. He said, I can't promise you anything, but I can promise you that I will have Dre sit down and listen to your demo because I think it's, it's dope. So gave him the demo, kind of forgot about it. Maybe, uh, you know, kept on my grind during the interim of not hearing from Dame. I started doing shows in, uh, you know, the tri-state area, you know, opening up for various artists, started, you know, uh, reconnecting with like the Lyricist Lounge, started doing the Lyricist Lounge uh, showcase uh, monthly and things of that nature. And after about a year and a half, I get a call from Dame Dollars saying that not only has Dre listened to it, but he loves the demo and that he wants to, you know, talk about some business and possibly signing you. Wow. So now we're talking like maybe like 1997 ish. So 
you know, the next thing I know, I, I'm getting a call from Dr. Dre. And he's like, yo, homie, you know, I, I like what you're doing. You know, we want to sign you over here at Aftermath and bring you on out. So, you know, obviously the way it works with these labels and paperwork and lawyers and all that, it took some time before everything became finalized and it was done. And I also wanted to explore my other options. Like, you know, this, this was the era of, you know, basically sending trying to, you know, take your, your tape, your, your demo tape to all of the different labels. So, mm-hmm. you know, I shopped at the, we shopped at the Def Jams and the, you know, the Virgins and every label you can think of at that time. You know, I, I'm sure my tape came across their desk, mm. you know, some people for one reason or another might have been like, you know, we like it, but, you know, we can't do this or that. So, you know, it was like another year and a half before I finally uh, decided on the entire Dr. Dre uh, route, you know, because, again, you have to remember what was going on. Uh, socially at that time with hip hop, we're coming off the heels of this perceived East Coast, West Coast. Right, beef. Right, right. So a lot of artists were still very leery of a traveling out to the West Coast and vice versa, let alone doing business with these individuals. And then I'm potentially going to deal with, you know, I'm going to the eye of the storm. <laughs> you know, Dre obviously had left death row or what have you, but there still was a lot going on politically and socially around all of that. That, you know, where you know, I remember when I first told my 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 mom that i was going out there to possibly do some business with dr dre now this was like maybe 98 mm-hmm. and she's uh, you know my mom she's she's uh going back to the essence now but she when she was here she was very one of those you know product of the 60s so she got hip-hop early on she understood what it was about right. and the poetry and all of that so she knew who tupac was knew who biggie was and all of that and you know she was like well i don't know son like you know, with everything going on, you know, they just killed Biggie, you know, Pac and everything going on, artists shooting at each other. Like, I, I don't know if I feel comfortable with you going out there, mm. but you're a grown man. You got to manifest your own destiny and just, you know, be safe. So, you know, Q and I went out there and, you know, we, we, we linked with Dr. Dre and his whole thing was like, listen, you know, everything that I went through at death row showed me that I need to make a change and the sort of music that I put out. This was like almost verbatim what he was saying. And, uh, you know, that that's all I wanted to know from him was like, you know, I don't want to be in another situation where I'm constantly involved in beef and this, that, and the other. I just want right. to rock. So, you know, Dre was like, yeah, well, you know, let's rock, you know? So I signed uh, to Aftermath in like 98 and, um, you know, sat on the label for a while. But the thing with Dre that I didn't know at the time was, now, some 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 people, I'm not quite sure exactly the timeline as well, but I know that uh, Eminem Slim Shady was on the label at the same time that I was. I don't know if I signed first or he signed first, but we definitely were there at the same time. In fact, yeah, ni- uh, if you're I saying 98, like, uh, 99, that's like around the time, I think. Yeah, yeah that's Slim around Shady. that time. Yeah. That's around that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So definitely, you know, I, I mean, I've been on a, a tight, you know, I, I've been on a, a like 10, 15 city tour with Eminem. Like mm. tight, you know, him and Royce and, and, you know, the seat ahead of me and me and Q on the seat behind them. So, you know, I got to, you know, be firsthand with the rise and ascension of both those artists. And I've seen the sort of grind that they put in and, you know, I, I understand why they're in the position that they're in now right. and uh, have been successful in their endeavors. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, I was on the label, Eminem, 
Dawn Robinson from In Vogue, Eve, who went on to be the first lady of the Rough Riders, um, and a King T, who I grew up really admiring. Almost, I lost it when I first. My, I think like my first day out there in LA, I went to like a King T video shoot or something like that. And I was like, yo, King T, you know what I mean? One of my, one of my, my favorite, uh, West coast artists and just hip hop yeah. artists, period. So we were all on the label at the same time. But unfortunately I think that Dre signed a whole bunch of acts, but didn't really know the direction he wanted to go with a lot of them. And if you remember the first project that he put out on aftermath was, uh, I know it was an album. I know the first single was uh, "Been There, Done That." It was and also to not to cut you off. Um, yes, sir. That East Coast Killer, West Coast Killer thing. I, he did that. Record. Okay, that was on there too. That was when he. Yes, sir. Yes, you're absolutely right. Yep. Absolutely right. Now those records, I think, sold okay, but Interscope was so used to Dr. Dre doing phenomenal numbers that they were kind of looking at him like, "Look, yo." This is okay, but almost like kind of questioning whether he still had that thing mm. that we know Dr. Dre for. Right. So, in my opinion, looking back at it, his best bet and his surefire thing was this, you know, Caucasian kid from Detroit right. who arguably is wild, was wild nice. Nobody can, nobody can deny that. When he put, puts words together, he's one of the best to ever do it. Wild nice. So, even though he had other talented artists on the roster, myself, King T, Eve, what would be more of a almost like shocking thing to the world than this kid out of yeah, Detroit who doesn't look like, you know what I mean? So business-wise, I look back at it and say, okay, this is why that went down. And um, But yeah, I, I mean, I had, I've had conversations with Dre and Jimmy Iovine, and um, uh, I remember doing a show at, the uh the la house of blues they even wrote up wrote about me in the la times the day afterward like who is this kid just out of nowhere i did secret i performed secret wars and the crowd went nuts <laughs> and um of course. you know what i mean even <laughs> like you know just you know older white men in business suits just coming to me like look all right what i just saw was phenomenal i don't know who you are but you know what i mean yeah. so and one of those guys was ted fields who um who was like the silent partner at Interscope, you know, long money. We talking long money. So, you know, I made my, even though it didn't work out with aftermath, I made my mark out there. And that's a lot of times my main goal is like, look, if this doesn't work out, you gonna remember who I am and I'm going to get busy. So, you know, um, that's kind of been a central theme in, in my history, but yeah. Uh, after I left aftermath, I got off the label. Matter of fact, what happened was I remember, I was there the same night that Dr. Dre met Scott Storch. Um, a lot of times Eve tells the story because I think she may have been the one to introduce Scott Storch to Dre, but I was in the room at the same time. And it's funny because I listen to interviews and it's almost like, because I never like quote unquote blew up. Mm. People don't mention me being in that room, but I was in that room as well. So um, Eve and myself, what happened was we we got we caught wind of Dre having a studio session that we weren't invited to, and we both felt slighted. So, you know, we kind of linked up, called one another, and was like, yo, he's in such and such studio now. And what he was working on was the Chronic 2001 right, right, or whatever. Right. Wow. So 
we pop up at the studio and just basically like, yo, Dre, what's up? Like you have a studio session, like we, we're hungry and we want to rock too. So Dre said, oh, he, I think he felt some type of way about us just popping up. So he was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw a beat on. Everybody's going right. I'm going to give you like a half hour and whoever, you know, let the best man or woman win. Mm. Not to toot my own horn, but me and E <laughs> ran through every rapper that was in that studio. Wow. Some of them I don't know. Some of them I don't know. I know one of them was uh, Hitman, who went on to be like on a lot of those records on the Chronic 2001. Right. But we just went through there, and it was nothing personal <laughs> against them. We right, just right. were venting just rat, at yeah. the fact that, you know, trying to show him, like, yo, we deserve to be here, and we deserve to be made a priority on wow. the label. So even after that was wow. done, Dre gave us his props. But he, he, one thing I always respect Dr. Dre for, he kept it funky and kept it 100 with me and telling me, like, look, I got a lot of lot going on in terms of these artists right now. You may not come out for another year or so. Mm. Now, if you can deal with that, you have a place here. If you can't, I won't hold you here any longer. Mm. I was like, look, man. I respect that, but, but you know, I'm out. <laughs> and, and and if you notice, Eve left. But what happened with Eve is the Rough Riders absorbed her and picked her up. Right. So she went from aftermath to Rough Riders. Right. I didn't know that where, history you know, about her. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's crazy. So, you know, I didn't have that. I didn't have that sort of support system. Again, it was just me and my homie Q from Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. So we were like, we stayed on uh, Interscope for like another. I stayed on Interscope for like another year. But, you know, what's funny about that is I had an A&R. He was a really, really nice-hearted guy. Um, I think he was married to, like, um, uh, I forget the actress's name right now. But he was, like, the stereotypical, you know, when, when the genius has that line, who's your A&R, a mountain climber who <laughs> plays an electric guitar? Right, right. He, was, he was literally, <laughs> like, climb. into, like, rock climbing. and right. You know what I mean? Just, like, that whole... <laughs> <laughs> that Yo, whole spiel. Yeah, he was crazy. a nice guy, but he just really didn't know what to do with me either. Mm. So after about a year, you know, um, I, I can't front. They didn't hold me up in a whole lot of paperwork. I left the label not owing anybody anything. You know, you hear horror stories about artists. They leave labels, but they owe money and right, this, right, that, and right, the other. Right. Thank, you know, thank everything that I've been raised on and the culture that I, that I adhere to. I knew I wasn't trying to ball out. I didn't run out and buy, you know, the, the, uh, a Lamborghini or anything <laughs> like that. I just concentrated on food, clothing, and shelter, shelter yeah. helped my mom, Dukes, play a few bills and things of that nature, and kept it moving. So I so, left, and I respect Interscope and Dr. Dre because they didn't tie me to a lot of paperwork, okay. you know? Which so, I And I mean, and the flip side of that is I went without a label for maybe like another year, and then I got absorbed by Raucous Records. Totally different story. Mm -hmm. And it hurt me, and it still hurts me to this day to mm -hmm. a degree, because they were supposed to be the hip-hop label. Mm -hmm. You know, they mm -hmm. had artists like Smith & Wesson, who at that time, you know, uh, were known as the Coco, Coco Brothers. Brothers. I yeah. gotta salute them, because they always held me down. Um, the Beat Miners, gotta salute Evil D and Mr. Walt, because they treated me like, older brothers and really like took me under their wing when I didn't have a deal. Um, you know, they had artists like Pharaoh Monch, of course, Black Star, Company um, Flow. You know, all of those. Even G Rat was even my label mate yeah. for a minute, if I'm wow. if I'm not mistaken. So we all, you know, it, it was it was like the the per ideal hip hop label. Yes. But by the time I got there, 
even though they were an indie, they had aspirations of being right. a major label. Right. Right. They started to adopt that mm -hmm. idea of instead of letting now when when the Rockets first started, they were they were allowing artists, hey, whatever sort of music you want to make, come here. This is a safe haven for you. We're not going to you know creative control is all yours. Just as long as you make your deadlines, so forth and so on. I like to say that they caught it's all good. They caught industry itis. You know what I'm saying? Mm, I like that. Right I after like that, because because like somewhere after the Oh No record, that's when they, you know, that's when they changed. I noticed. I yes. saw that. <laughs> you know. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So it was like, you know, um, it, it was just, it was just like, wow, here, here we go again. And again, it kind of hurt me more because I can honestly say that now, when I was out in Cali, you know, I've, I, of course, I've, I've been exposed to some things that, you know in terms of like gang culture, in terms of like, you know, real street stuff and all of that. But one thing I could say is that everything was exactly as it was. If a gangster, you know, rolled up on you and told you something, it was like serious business, straight up and down, nothing, no funny style, no, you know, you know, they say what they mean and they mean what they say. When I got to Raucous, it was like, okay, on the surface, this is where hip-hop lives and, you know, positive records and this, that, and the other, but everything from the administration to even some of the other artists was, like, real funny style. Mm. So all I'm going to say on that note is salute to Smith & Wesson. They're some of the realists in the game. Hmm. That's why they're still in power. Wow. And General Steel always showed me Definitely. love. There's been times mm. where... I was on tour opening for them and I'm in my room by myself. Don't really know them that well still comes and knocks on the door. Like, yo, what you doing in the room by yourself? Come with me and son and, you know, chop it up for a minute. Like, wow. you know what I mean? He didn't have to do that, but that's how real Smith and Wesson is. Wow. That's how real the beat, the beat miners are. When I didn't have a deal, they would call me and say, look, come to the crib. We're working on something. We want you on this. You know, they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to do that. So, um, I got to salute those two and another Definitely. group that's that during that era, that lyricist lounge era that I have to salute because, um, you know, what I'll say is one thing that kind of, uh, was a reality check for me in terms of doing, uh, conscious records was that sometimes some of our heroes are not necessarily who they are off. Wow. But one, one group that I can say boots on the ground i've seen them do things locally here in my community for grassroots organizations like move and in support of mumia abu jamal is dead press i knew you were going to say dps yeah that's yeah, what's up yeah yes, they are as real as it gets and even the brother who brought them out lord jamar right he gave me some of the best advice that i've ever gotten in my career and he gave me a real jewel and i always salute him for that you now you bring up Lord Jamal, and I noticed you were talking about Eminem earlier. Um, yes, sir. This whole situation that you know, you know, I guess you've seen all of the Vlad interviews and all this stuff popping about yes, Eminem sir. and everything else. Give us your take on that, because I mean, you said you can't, you you watched Eminem, you know, come through the underground, yes, the rap Olympics. You know, I don't think he's ever made himself out to be the 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 great white hope of rap. You know what I'm saying? I think the industry put him in there. So why why do you think that is? In fact, I think and to a certain degree, he's kind of done the contrary. You know, I can't think of what the title of the record is right now, but 
Uh, I don't know if it's on the Marshall Mathers LP, but there's, you know, whatever album that is where he just kept, it was like a lot of introspective records, cleaning out my closet and, Mm -hmm. you know, where he's talking about Munchausen syndrome and, um, you know, all of those sorts of things. There's a record where he describes that he knows full well that him being a Caucasian rapper that's legitimately nice can be used as a tool by some people who would like to subjugate the original man here on the wild in the wilderness of North America. There are people who will use him as a tool, just as Elvis was used as a tool. Right. What I appreciate, what I had to appreciate about him and Eminem is two things. He legitimately put in the work. Secondly, every time he's in a public platform, he gives thanks and credence to the artists that came Always. before him. Yep. Those two things I have to appreciate about him. Is he by default, uh, uh, you know, the success, the successor of white privilege? Absolutely. Is he sometimes being used as a tool to perhaps portray this notion that who knows 50 years from now, they may be trying to say that he invented or he was the greatest rapper of all times mm-hmm. or he invented hip hop. We know how, the powers that be and the sort of things they've been trying to do against our people. We know that. So Lord Jamar is exactly right when he sees the potential that can happen from that sort of dialogue. Right. However, I do think that Slim Shady is very respectful of the culture. Now, the only issue I've, I've had with him, and I think I, I, I even responded to it, and you know, on some bars some years ago, yeah. was when the tape came out of him disrespecting some black woman or sisters or whatever. Yeah, I read. And that, I have man. a problem with the fact that nobody really checked him on that. Like at the end of the day, I am of the understanding that hip hop in itself is not new to the planet Earth. It is an energy field that has been here since the first hominid walked upright on the planet earth millions if not trillions of years ago so with me having that level of understanding i know that this is not a game and there's nothing to play with it's more than just putting records out and rapping and having fun right you know so when i hear a lot of these other artists talk you know waving uh red black and green flags and acting like they just so super conscious but something like that happens and they don't check him on that mm. i have an issue about i take issue with it right. like i said eminem the individual he's actually a nice guy from what i re- from what i uh, i remember right. you know what i mean he actually is not intent on he just you know he just wanted to always be a part of the culture and that's what i mean this energy that we now call hip-hop is something that has been here it can't be made nor destroyed it changes form so he has been receptive to it. He's been receptive to look at all the homies he hangs around and grew up with proof and, right. you know, D12 and all of those guys. So he's been constantly absorbing original melanated black energy. Mm. So I can't get mad at him because our energy is that magnetic and that powerful that he also became overwhelmed and absorbed by it. My whole thing and what I think Lord Jamar was saying, just give credit where credit is due. Right. Respect the originators, right. you know, and perhaps at some point they can have a dialogue and get those things straight as well. Yeah, Because mm-hmm. yeah. essentially for me, too, I mean, as dope as, a, as an MC as Eminem is, me personally, I can't say that I purchased one Eminem album. You know what I'm saying? 
because right. that's that's really right. not I'm not really into his music. You know, his music doesn't really do anything for me, you know. Right. Right, on a vibrational level. Right. Yeah, but you give right. credit where credit is due exactly. in your sense. Yeah. Exactly. I, I could yes, res- sir, the technicality that he uses, and I mean again, it's not like he re- reinvented the wheel because I think another highly technical MC is somebody like Pharaoh Monch, which Absolutely. the way he Absolutely. you know, the way he approaches writing and delivery. But why isn't Farrell Monch touted exactly. as much as because Absolutely. that whole dynamic, that. It, it becomes more shocking when it comes from somebody who, on the surface, we don't see as original. I mean, you, you listen, know what yeah, I mean? So you, it's you almost like, is, yeah. Yeah. You, you listen to records like Straight Bullet, like Farrell freaking exactly. crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. You know, exactly. Uh, Last Emperor, I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, your debut album, Music, Magic, and Myth. Right, which finally came out in 2003, but it was on a label called Raptivism. Like, how did yes, Raptivism Records uh, come into the fold, and what made them a good fit for this debut project? You know what? To put simply, the way the contract was drawn up, it was almost like we'll put this out next week, and that pretty much was like all I wanted. Because wow, what hurts about that is the album as it's presented is not really what, what I intended or my team intended to, to be put out. First of all, the fact that it came out in 2003, but many of the songs that are on the album were recorded in like 96, 97. Mm. So it just went through this whole process of like, wow, I'm on aftermath. They, they're sleeping on the records. And you know, as an MC, you want one of the best, one of the things, that helps drive you the most and give you staying power is that whole concept of fresh rhymes. You right. want the rhymes to be fresh, just like, you know, for, for somebody who bakes cakes or donuts, you know, Dunkin' Donuts, they want the donuts made fresh. That's their thing. Mm-hmm. As soon as we make them, they're out to the public. Well, as an MC, you want the rhymes, the punchlines, the metaphors, you want them to be as fresh as possible. And here I have, Rhymes that have been on the on, on, on the table and recorded for like five, six, seven years. So with Raptivism, when they stepped to me, it was another indie label. And this was right after I went through the whole raucous fiasco. They were like, look, we'll put this out next week. I said, let's go. Because wow. um, I just wanted the, the material to be out there. And and I have to say that I don't I don't even think that Raptivism is still in existence. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they kept their word. They, um, they, they, you know, did the best they could for me with the resources that they had, went on a tour, toured when the album came out and, you know, got made some new friends and new resources and things of that nature. So that's pretty much what it was in a nutshell. They just committed to putting it out ASAP, you know? And again, I just felt like even though kind of on a cult following level, People like, you know, people that, and and that's the thing that really still amazes me. And I appreciate you brothers for reaching out because a lot of times I just feel like, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing and I love it, Mm -hmm. but I know, I know the sort of artist that I've grown to be. It's sort of like a cult following sort of thing. Mm. Everybody doesn't know about Last Emperor, but those who do are like, oh, wow, this dude is like, you know what I mean? Like the greatest since sliced bread. And I get that. that I think. We know. Right. Those that know, know. Right. They're really, really hip hop heads. So, um, you know, uh, with that being said, man, again, I I just appreciate anybody that still keeps me in any type of conversation. 
And that's why I just try to make the, the records that I make in terms of, I just, I'm at a point in life now where I just sincerely feel like hip hop should be fun again. Mm, like right. the sort of fun that, that we all had right. when we were younger and listening to a lot of these records when they came out. Right. And it's almost gotten to the point that even the hardcore records to me is just like, it's just, you know, there's a time and place for everything. Right. right. I'm just as big of a, um, KRS one fan as I am of a cool G rap fan, mm -hmm. but there was always that balance. The balance now yeah. it just seems like all guns, all drugs, right. you know, and, um, you know, along the way, you know, I've just had a very, very thorough, uh, hip hop education. Very yeah. thorough. And it seems to that, like you said, all the guns and everything else, it's like guys is giving you that street talk and that's considered super lyricism nowadays. Like now, guys, exactly. guys, guys just think that that's the highest that they can go. Give us a different spin on it, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like we yeah, had your mock beeps and MOPs and right. all of these, the locks, all these guys already. What are you going to do that's different? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's going to inspire right. people well, for a lifetime. You know, I'm sure you, I'm sure you gentlemen, I can tell that, you know, you brothers are also well-studied, well-versed, you know, what's going on on a socio-political level. And once we understand the information coming out that not only do the shareholders on a lot of these record labels are also a part of the prison industrial mm. complex. So if you have an artist, if, 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 you know, one of your business endeavors is putting people in is the prison industrial complex, which they make money off of people going to jail, going to prison, but you also have money in the music industry. So, it suits your interest to sign and continue to sign and promote artists mm. who are promulgating. Cause let's say even Rakim said MC means move the crowd. Right. We know that we have power as rappers and as MCs to create movement and society. Mm -hmm. But what kind of movement are we promulgating? Mm. Wow. So if I'm an MC and I'm rapping about, yeah, take drugs, you know, pop the Molly, <laughs> take the perk, pop the perks. You know what I mean? Go out here, do whatever you got to do to get it. If Preach. you got to pull a lick, whatever, you know what I mean? Rob whoever. Those are all activities that go hand in hand with the prison industrial complex. So this kid listens to his favorite rapper, tell him to take the drugs. He takes the drugs. He runs out here, commits a crime, ends up getting a flag on his jacket, a felony, becomes recycled. Uh, uh, recycling starts recycling crime. So then me as a shareholder, I'm making money both ways. I'm mm. making money off the records and the activity, which is promoting more people to go into the prisons that mm. I'm also a shareholder in. So this is by design. Yeah, mm. yeah man, this is a serious business, but even with, aside from all the serious stuff, I can certainly say that as an art form, as a writing art form, as an art form of delivery and call and response, Man, hip hop is like, even though I never blew up and made like national waves or anything like that, the, 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 the education that I've gotten, sometimes I can't, I mean, I've been around, of course, the Dr. Dre's, mm -hmm. my mentor in hip hop is Prince Paul. So of course, through right. him, I got to meet everybody from, I've had conversations with Cool Herc to you know, the large professor to, you know what I mean? Like you name it. Like he just, you know, just all sorts of resources. Got, I got an opportunity one time when, uh, 
you know, Lady B does this uh, old school basement party here in Philly where she brings artists from the golden age here to perform every summer. So for me, the highlight of my life, forget career, life was being able to come out on stage with Stessa Sonic mm. and just kind of be like off to the side and Crazy. just watch them rock. Crazy. You know, so it took me back to being 15 years old, 16 years old again. You know, and this education has been very, very rewarding and it's been very, you know, being being under the tutelage of the Blastmaster KRS-One or the RZA, the Abbott, you know what I mean? Just to build with him is like, in itself is like, it's almost like an out-of-body sort of experience. The RZA is one of the deepest dudes in hip-hop. When he has that philosophy of putting up the W and he says, you know, with these, with these uh, uh, five fingers and these two hands, we bring together. Sounds just uh, like voice, you yeah. know, the, hum- the human families of the planet Earth. He's science right now. He's telling you through hip hop the separation and division that they have us subscribing to, whether we're black, white. You know, if we want to use those terms, right, like right, whatever right. ethnic ethnic tradition or background we come from. Basically, what he's saying is Wu Tang is so powerful because it's, it brings the human family of the planet Earth together. Wow. And that, to me, is one of the most profound statements and philosophies within hip-hop. And it's a reason why the Wu is as successful as they are. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, just to be around those brothers, I got to give a shout-out to Killer Priest. I've done, like, two songs with him. You know, at that time where, you know, um, you know, the Wu was like, come on, man, that's like the Rolling Stones of, of hip-hop, even mm-hmm. greater. Pretty much, but, pretty much. He came to me one time after a show and was like, yo, you dope. I want to work with you. You know what I mean? People like that. People like Sean Price. Right. Who every time I saw him, Sean Price was like, you know, um, I I've, I've, I first met Sean Pre probably like 96. Now, this is right after like, I don't even think, uh, uh, I don't even think Nocturnal was out yet or it was about to come out or something like mm-hmm. that. So when I met him then, he was more kind of on the ruck, the irrational tip. Like, he was kind of a little standoffish, a little, like, hot-headed and all of that. <laughs> As I grew to know him over the year, know him over the years, it would be times where, you know, me as an artist, of course, I don't, I don't think I'm visually noticeable as some other artist, obviously. I would be places, and he'd come up to me like, yo, yo, last, what up, what up, son, what you wow. doing, da, 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 da. And I'll be like stuck, like yo, like like I don't even didn't even know he remember who I was. Right, right, but right. He right. was so much, He's he was attention. so much of a rapper's rapper and a hip hop fan that he always had his ear for who was the new up and coming, you know, who was nice. And then for me having family that you know lives in in that part of Brooklyn and run with Decepts and all that, he always showed me love to a level where I miss that brother, man. Like wow. when he when yeah. when I got the call that he passed. And the last time I saw him, I was glad that, you know, sometimes as artists, we get into this thing, especially as young, young brothers, we grow up in these urban environments and we might really be a fan of an artist, but we won't give it up to him. We just be like, yeah, I see him over there. F that you know what I mean? Like just really on our macho, our macho thing. But I'm fortunately enough, the way I grew up was until somebody proves me otherwise, we're all brothers. Right, right, right. And if you see somebody and you like their work, don't be afraid to approach them exactly. and let them know that. Yes, sir. So every time I would see certain artists, and, and you know, I ain't going to give no names up because some of them are big and, you know what I mean, some yeah, of them the most, mm-hmm. 
you know, want to be hardcore dudes, of course, with standoffish or whatever. Some of them embracing, oh, peace, brother, da-da-da-da. Sean Price, he was the roughest, toughest, street, most street credibility guy, but he never fronted or, or, or giving it up for somebody that he thought was nice, too. And the last time I saw him was at the uh, Lyricist Lounge anniversary, uh, probably a year before he 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 went back to the Essence. Wow. And mm-hmm. so I was standing outside first. It was somewhere in Manhattan. I'm standing outside, and I knew it had been some years since I'd seen him. So I was like, he. I'm thinking at first, like, he probably won't even remember me. Like, I, I want to go say what's up to him, but I don't know, da-da-da-da. So when we got inside, he and his lovely wife, Bernadette, were up at the bar. Mm. And something told me, like, yo, I'm going to go over here now. I don't care if he just tells me to beat it, whatever. I'm going to go tell him what's up. I had good to see him. Haven't seen him in a while. Yo, when I, when I, he, he looked for a minute and, you know, we're all, we're all different now. Less hair and all that sort of right, thing. Right, right, right. He looked. The first thing I did was I started reciting some of his rhymes. And he looked at me and he was like, yo, yo, last, what up? What up? So I bought him a bar, bought him and his wife a, a, a drink, bought him a drink at the bar. And when he got up on stage, he wanted me to come up there. He was like, yo, yo, last, yo, last, come up. Da, 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 da. I was so, I had been drinking a little bit. So I, I didn't fully out, full out go up there. And there's video footage floating around that I've seen on the internet right, right. of this particular night. And um, what I don't regret is I'm glad I went and, and gave him as they say, his roses while he was here. Definitely. You know, and I told him how much of an influence and that I was still following what he was doing. And, you know, he just was really, really, really pleased about that. And then again, uh, some months later, I got a call that he had, you know, that he had passed. So I was just glad that I was over that age of fronting and being like, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm too tough to go over here and acknowledge this brother. And I'm just glad I did that, man. And I I really miss Sean Price. Preach. Yo, wow, man. Yeah. That's that's a mouthful, man. You gave a lot, man. I just, I just you might have to put this episode down into yo, like pieces and stuff, man. This is but classic. Respect, man, and rest in peace to Sean Price, man. I just wanted to ask you Absolutely. questions. I think we touched on Secret Wars a little bit, yeah. but um, you dropped yeah. Secret Wars in nineteen ninety seven, right? Officially, yes. Officially, officially, yeah. Can you just explain to to us and the listeners, you know, how that song came into fruition? Yeah. Well, you know, um, again, when you're growing up, you everything, imagine, imagination, imaginative things and hip hop, it all comes, well, at least for me, it came to me at a time where, you know, you're also making the transition from young childhood to early, you know, um, I guess they call it puberty or whatever. Mm-hmm. So everything that you're into, you're just absorbing so much. And just like with the Wu-Tang, the way they were able to tap into something universal and that we all remembered Saturday mornings watching those Kung Fu Shaw Brothers Kung Fu films, we all remembered that. So when they came out, it was like, no matter where you were from, if you are, the, are, are of that age bracket or that demographic, you're like, yo, I dig the Wu because they tapped into something that I can relate to. Right. One of those things that I also was into was comic books. So... You know, um, I always loved, obviously, Marvel has always, has always been the pinnacle. I mean, they're just creating iconic characters that are still with us to this day right. and have become multi-million dollar franchises. Everything from the Avengers to the X-Men to you name it. Right. You know, all of those things that came from the mind of people like Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, 
they had a tremendous impact on me mm-hmm. as, as a young kid. So, you know, on a Saturday, I might be writing rhymes, and in between writing rhymes, I might be reading comic books. Right. I'm also a toy a toy collector. To this day, I still collect, you know, certain vintage uh, toys and things of that nature. Right. So just reading comic books, it just became apparent to me, especially in the early 90s, that a lot of my favorite MCs came off with a sort of like lyrical power that was similar to what I was reading in the comic books. So of course, you know, somebody like red man to me, uh, was like, like the Hulk. He like, he (laughs) just came off to me like the incredible Hulk Uh or somebody like, you know what I mean? Like somebody like, like, like meth to me was like more like kind of like a Wolverine or of course, because, uh, Karis one is very thought provoking and cerebral. I immediately thought, yo, he's kind of like Professor X from the X Men, right, right? You know, right. and I just, I just started. It started out just me jotting down uh, maybe like five to ten different comic book characters that I thought, and I just started matching up which MCs I thought complemented their style lyrically, mm. and. I started doing it even as early as like 95 because I first recorded that song in 95. I started performing those handful of characters at shows like in between songs. So it was almost like in between a song, I'd be like, you know what, ladies and gentlemen, check this out. What if I had the power to gather all of my favorite MCs with the illest comic book characters and made them arch enemies. (laughs) So, you know, it was just sort of like a filler between songs. And then the people, you know, my squad was like, look, man, you, you might as well go ahead and just rock out and do a whole song like that. So, you know, after some months, I just would sit down. And I, what I want people to know, notice the most about that record is that I didn't just take any MC with any superhero. I yes. did my best to strive to make the powers comparable wow. so that it would be a good match. And you had the voices and, down packed too, man. I yeah. mean, everybody from Comet to Buster Rhymes to you impersonated everyone yo, seamlessly. It was bro. like I was like, yo, this dude is like really into the character, the voice. Like that was dope, yo. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man, definitely. I was always that dude growing up where you know um, people would get me. You know, I was a pretty good student, but sometimes people would get me to imitate the teacher and all that sort of thing. So it just was another way to incorporate that into the overall song. And I have to also, um, give credit where credit is due. When I used to hear people like, um, supernatural on the stretch and Bobito show, like people would come to school with tapes of him being on there and he was bold enough to kind of do that too. You know what I mean? And and actually did it before me. So I got to tip my hat to him as well, because you know that kind of sparked something in me to even say that a record like that would even be possible. Mm-hmm. So and I don't um, even know if that's just a Philly thing because Thought did that too. Black Thought did that. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thought at work. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> thought at work. Yeah, man. And then, you know, just it's another way of you know obviously that saying imitation is 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 the most sincere f- form of flattery. Right. So of course you know what I mean. Like growing up, just memorizing people's cadences and flows and you know their vocal inflections and uh all those sort of things and like i said even people like you know reggie noble um who believe it or not i knew about the hit squad breakup before it happened wow that's how real red man is because when his album kind of first dropped i don't even know of what 
the album might have even been out yet, but he opened up. There was a Hit Squad tour mm -hmm. that came to uh, my school, Lincoln University. Okay. So they're performing. I had an opportunity afterwards to kind of like chop it up with, with, with Reggie. So he was telling me the way he was talking was like, I'm asking him for advice as an up and coming new artist. Okay. And I'm letting, giving it up to him. Like, yo, you're about to be that next dude. Like I knew back then, like he was something different. Yeah. And the way he was talking to me was like, you know, just make sure that your business is straight. Make sure that the friends that you think are your friends really are your friends. Jeez. Sometimes what you see in these videos is not real. Some people that you think are family oriented, the families break up and this, that. And so I was like, kind of like, without coming out and saying it, he was basically telling me that there were some problems or issues within the squad. Mm. So then when a few months passed and the breakup happened, I was like, yo, that's what he was trying to tell right. us. It was like me and like two other dudes. And we just were like kind of puzzled because we're thinking, you know, the hit squad is like got the, the industry on lock right Dude, now. Dude, that Dodge, broke my heart when they broke Solo. up. <laughs> it yeah. broke my heart when they yeah. broke up. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They had the rap yeah, game man. in so there palm of their hands right they had billboard they had the underground everything was on right. smash right. you know what i mean exactly wow. exactly whoever who could have ever seen that coming to an end back then you know so uh you know i think i even heard um you know you gentlemen had a conversation on on an on an episode uh talking about um if i'm not mistaken dos effects being compared to like the migos yeah was that, was that you guys that had that, that conversation? Level, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 so i mean it's just no like you like you like your brothers were saying it's like no comparison i was insulted like, i was insulted you know, you know i was like yo y'all serious man y'all really reaching right right now. right 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 right, right. <laughs> that's crazy right well again that just comes from you, you know i get the impression that you know in our era you were a scholar and really studied the craft beyond the surface. Now, yeah, on the surface, maybe some of the stuff they might do vocally kind of sounds like what Das did. But when you really, really give it a listen and how lyrical they were and how how much um, pop culture references that all of us could relate to, okay, there is no comparison. But again, right, right. there's a problem with this. Now, I like a lot of the, the new artists on the surface. They Some of them make great songs. But I think a phenomenon that's going on in our communities is mirroring itself in hip hop where if I was a rock and roll artist of today, not only would I know who the current artists are now, but I'm going to know my history. I'm going to know about the Beatles. I'm going to know about Led Zeppelin. I'm going to know about the Stones. I'm going to know about the Doors. Unfortunately, there's this thing with our community where the young brothers are like, man, listen, I'm not trying to hear none of that old stuff. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? And that's not, that's not, that's, that's not, that's not right. That's not right and exact. And that's because in order to our, know where you're going, you must know your history. Exactly. And that's what's killing our community right now. That's what's killing it. Bingo. A, a, a tree separated from his roots cannot live, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Bingo. So that's excellently put. Am I, am I, I just wanted to go into um, the fact that you're such a great storyteller. You know what I'm saying? And I know, I don't Thank know if you heard of our, our previous um, episode where we actually spoke on that in a segment. And we was basically commenting on what Ice Cube was interviewed about is that how storytelling 
you know, it's a top level of MC, the top level of MC, of which you really don't see too much mm. of that nowadays. Yeah, or you know even just saying? conceptual albums. You know what I mean? Like Period. we, and I feel like you've you've done that so effectively. Like throughout your career, as as what we know, you've always kind of even with this hack Fillmore project, like that's conceptual. You know what I mean? So yeah, like you were saying, yeah, sure. level. Yeah, just you know, I just wanted to. As coming out of our branch into secret wars, going into storytelling, that why why is that? Why do you feel like you know? Because we as people, we're already like great storytellers, you know. Because we we always had the griots in, in in our communities that just told our stories, you know. Right. Why have we just got yeah. separated ourselves so much from that, you know, into what it is now? Yeah, because um, the overall idea, first of all, the concept of being an MC has gotten lost in translation mm. where, you know, us coming up, it wasn't just about being a rapper. Like MCing is like the Jedi thing to this rap thing. Anybody mm. can put a few lines together that rhyme or sound similar, but an MC is a master of ceremonies where if you want me to rhyme in front of a, a, a bar mitzvah and come off and move the crowd, I can do that. If you want to, if you want me to do that in front of, uh, a lecture at uh, Yale University, I can do that. You know, that thing about being an MC has, has been lost in translation. And as an MC, it's not just about having bars. It's about, it is also about storytelling. Mm -hmm. And now everything has become so cookie cutter that everybody is just like, yo, I just got to have a radio single. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But what they don't understand is, look at something like um, Lottie Dottie which was in basically a story. Right, it was a right. story rhyme, but it's one of the most famous story rhymes. It was on the radio. It, you know what I mean? It, it, I'm sure it sold a gazillion copies by now or whatever. Or, you know, look at Special Ed's The Mission. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, the list, the list goes on the fat boys in jail. That's a story. You know what I mean? So I just think that we've gotten so far away from the Jedi thing that is rapping mm -hmm. it's like okay. some people there are some still out here but for whatever reason some of the things we've addressed earlier just like with the jedi there was a purge where <laughs> you know the government cracked down on them they had to go into hiding there were only a few left it's the same thing with hip-hop so speaking of dos effects i had the only issue i ever had with them is that they didn't put there was a record they made called hard like a criminal yeah. And they never put that on the album. Yeah. And it was a story rhyme. <laughs> and to me, that would have really Ooh. took them over the top because mm. not only were they just nice at making records, but it showed that they also were storytellers too. Right. Um, For me, yeah, I was man. So, so I just think that I just tried to make I, my whole theme and this whole thing was hip hop being fun. I would go to shows, go to lyricist lounge, do certain records, and certain records like secret wars or animalistics touch people in a way that I knew was different. Mm. And I knew that I knew that as an MC, if you really want to be successful in the art form, you got to carve your own niche and be a little different. Mm. So I just strive to do that, man. And, you know, I just think it's fun. It adds to the overall folklore that is MCing and, and that is the last emperor because truth be told, even me taking the title, The Last Emperor, yes, it comes from the 1987 uh, Bertolucci film of the same title, and it deals with The Last Emperor, Puyi of imperialist China. Mm -hmm. But 
the way I flipped it is like, and as far as this folklore is concerned, the last emperor is a 7,000 year old warrior who came back to restore hip hop to where it needs to be. So when you get certain records that I make, it's almost like getting a certain issue of a comic book. Right. So when you go and mm. listen to He Lives that I did with the RZA, like I said, the RZA resurrected me. That whole thing is, okay, here we have the RZA from Gravediggers, the Resurrector. His job is to, you know, bring the dead back to life. Well, that's what I got him to do on this record. And he immediately, we did the record in one day. I, uh, Prince Paul took me to um, a studio that they were working out of called the 36th Chamber. And it was on 36th Street in Manhattan. If I'm not mistaken, it was like the 36th floor or something like that. Like it just, they really took the 36th thing to the fullest. So we get to the studio and at first Rizzo's in there and he's like, yeah, 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 son. So, um, you know, Paul said you wanted to come <laughs> by, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, work on something. So when I told him the concept of the record, right. he said, all right, all right, all right God, just, just give me a minute. I'm going to get it together. And it only took him about half an hour. He wrote the rhyme, spit them to me. He got the concept immediately. Right, right, right. And I, he's a, he's a consummate professional. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. there we have, if anybody wants to know, okay, as far as your folklore is concerned, how who reanimated or resurrected the uh, last emperor from that 7,000-year-old slumber? And mm. who better to do that than the resurrector? Right. So certain records that I make like that and, um, you know, animalistics and things of that nature, you know, uh, willfully, ultimately will give people the overall story arc of The Last Emperor. And maybe, you know, my goal one day is to, you know, have some sort of animation format for a lot of these records. Um, yeah, man. So that I, I, I dope, think that yeah. storytelling thing is just kind of like, you know, it, 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 it's helped me carve my own niche. So you need your own comic book, bro. Wait, wait. Yeah, Serious. that's what everybody tells me. That's what everybody tells me, man. Now, last emperor, I wanted to ask you, man. Um, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the sense of you as an artist, especially today, what comes up a lot is like, yo, what's been going on with last emperor? Like, what's 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 happened? Right. Like, I haven't heard from him in a while. Um, and I know you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I mean, is there anything you could you feel like might have gotten in the way of you becoming more? a high sake, just gaining more notoriety or people becoming more aware of you throughout the years. Like, I feel like you were on the verge of just something way bigger, even with the, 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 the idea that, you know, maybe today people are not really checking for like storytellers and as from MCs, but I feel like you, you could have gotten a, a, a lot more huger in terms of your success of people knowing about you is there anything you feel right. that got in the way of that or, you know, or just, you know, just, you know, what, what do you think might've affected your career that you weren't able to, you know, blow up to bigger than what you are now? Wow. Well, a lot of that, in my opinion, has to just do with um, my personality okay. and kind of seeing that, there now I don't subscribe to all of these overly sensational concepts of people sacrificing themselves to be, you know, famous and all. I, I think that to a certain degree, there's some of that stuff going on, okay. but I don't get too spooky with that. My thing is, um, I do realize that 
certain artists have had to compromise their moral compass or what they knew was right and wrong in order to be in the spotlight. Right. There have been times that I have refused to do certain things or make certain records or make certain statements just to get out there and be more known. And I can say as an artist, you are sometimes, especially in hip hop, confronted with those scenarios. So yeah. to a certain degree, yep. it's been reluctance on my part to not really be out there, out there or do too many things. Right. Um, secondly, I can say that, you know, um, there was a point in hip hop where, you know, um, certain artists were not afraid of saying, look, I'm good, but you need to listen. I'm good and, and I'm dope, but hey, there's this new guy. You need to check him out and right. whatever, whatever. Somewhere in the, the uh, t at the time that I came, the late 90s, early 2000s or what have you, it just started to be like even the artists who kind of were like the more hip hop purists, they were struggling so much for their music to be heard that they were reluctant. Like I was saying earlier, Sean Price was one of those few artists who had the national exposure and still was like, you know, you see him around the way. He'd give it up right, to, right, you know, right. artists that didn't have that exposure. And I can't say that there weren't others who helped because, again, Prince Paul has always um, tried to put me out there more. The beat miners have right, tried right, to put right. me out there more. Um, you know, Q-Tip, when I was doing the Lyricist Lounge, just him giving me a vote of confidence was always a, a, a real strong thing. So there have been some that, that tried to support me. Master right, right. Ace was, has always been very encouraging to me. Um, shout out to Master but, Ace. We, we interviewed him yeah. last year. Really yeah, good. man. Yeah. yeah, man. He's one. He's one of them dudes that I, you know, again, just in terms of him being so articulate, he never compromised himself. Mm -hmm. He's always been creative. He knows how to put out records that are Quality just, you know, bar too. heavy yeah. and swaggered out but also concept albums and stuff like that so you know um i just think that's it man like i never i just kind of came at a time where hip-hop was going through some real crazy turbulent stuff right but right. it's good to see that you know everything comes in moving cycles and it's good to see that even conversations like this are coming back to the forefront yeah. and so i'm just trying to make sure that i stay active to a certain degree you okay. know um I've heard DMC say, you know, even if I was working a regular nine to five jobs, I, I, job, I would still have my book of rhymes somewhere and I'd be writing rhymes because it's fun. It's right. a hobby. I've heard Biz Markie tell me one time, like, yo, hip hop to me is just a hobby. Like, it's just something fun to do. And I ended up making a career out of it. Mm. So that's just how I try to carry it now, man. And um, I just know that I'm comfortable with the sort of cult status following that I have. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'm going to keep rocking rhymes, man. I'm going to keep putting out projects. Maybe not, you know, every few months or so, but as long as it's good brothers like yourselves that reach out to me from time to time and let me know that somebody's listening, hey, man, I'll keep on doing it till the wheels fall off. Definitely, man. You know, I also wanted to ask you, man, like, there's a record that's on the internet right now it is on dope folk records it's on soundcloud okay. and it's an ep it's uh god what is the title of the ep it's your it's it's your music and okay i've i've gotten wind of it but i wanted to get um your your input on the actual product project give me a second i'm i'm like the the 
the the name of the sure. project is uh is escaping me. I'm gonna find it right here. Um, why am I forgetting the record? Oh, man. Uh the Gotta Have Love EP. What's the status on this project? Because it's to me, it sounds like it's it's unreleased music, also like demo stuff. I mean, I love the music, by really? the way. But okay. um, I mean, I'm just curious to know, like, what's your 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 perspective on this record? First, I heard about it. Wow. First, I've heard about it, and I and I honestly say that because you know you do have. There's been instances from I catch wind from other artists that things get released and leaked, and that artist might really be the per, the person behind it, and just put it out there because of whatever legal reasons they can't admit to it. But I can honestly say this is the first I've heard of it. But the, you know, I used to I used to, of course, earlier on in my career when I first got a deal and all that. I used to be upset when things like that would happen. Like wow. even when I was living in New York, I heard there was this guy in front of Fat Beats and he was selling like Last Emperor's Greatest Hits just like out of a knapsack. Okay. And so we got the call with some, you know, this was a Fat Beats in the village. So I'm in Brooklyn. We get a call. Hey, yo, son, is, yo, this is dude down here in the village. He's just selling, selling your stuff. Like wow. da 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 da. So you know, we we get we, we you know we jump on the train. We 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 go running down there looking for him. Of course, he was long gone or whatever. And since then, I mean, it's really been a blessing to me that my music has been out there at any capacity. Okay. So, I, hey, the more the merrier, you know, as long as, you know, ultimately, you know, if there's anything that paperwork-wise I should be paid for, of course, everybody wants to be compensated for their work. But, I, hey, man, I am, I, whoever's doing it, I tip my hat to you, <laughs> and I'm glad that somebody feels like, you know, this underground artist is that important that you got to make compilation albums up and stuff. Cause really that's the only way people have been able to hear my stuff largely. Wow. So I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that to my attention, but this is the first I've heard of it. Sometimes you got to invite the bootleg <laughs> man. You know what I'm saying? That's going to hey, keep you yeah. out there. I mean, there's a, there's a record exactly. on there called gotta have love. And I'm like, yo, this right. record is flavor. Like we, like yeah, I played yeah. it for you the yeah. other day. And, and you know what? Like, now I remember, I certainly you remember know that, that record, record right? because I'm like, shit, that was like, produced yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. By the beat miners, e Evil D and Mr. Walt. Wow. That's a part of the uh, sessions that, like I said, they just were, even when I didn't have a deal, they would just call me to the crib. You know, they got the lab out there and, 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 and BK, you know what I mean? I, I remember, you know, every now and then their mother, I, she's, she's, you know, you know, bless, bless her. She's made transition. She would be there and, you know, she'd be like, you know, checking out the artist. And I remember talking to like steel and tech and they'd be like yeah uh mama dugar to be down there making sure nobody was you know smoking mm -hmm. weed in the crib and all of that uh -huh. and that was one of those records that i made at you know at their house you know what i mean wow. and uh yeah gotta have love that's produced by the beat miners man was Definitely. that ever released on anything because i i'm I, I i i'm i'm assuming that this might be an unreleased record yeah, it's unreleased. It wow. never was released. I mean, and there's there's a whole plethora of stuff, man. Speaking of the beat miners, there's a bunch of stuff I did at D and D. Right. You know what I mean? That um that uh never fully that never came out, man. So stuff is definitely out there. Somebody's managed to <laughs> to manage to uh put this stuff out. But I mean I, you that, know, a lot of times the reason why I bring up the record Last Emperor, cause it just displays your level of emceeing. It's it's the same the same vibe I get from a KRS-One, like, 
you're so mm. clear in how you recite your words and the beat is just it just works so well like it's just an amazing track man so you know salute um to you and it's one of the reasons why i was like you know what i gotta get last emperor on this show because i'm like this brother is superior you know what i'm saying on the that's level love of MC, right man, there, man. For real, for that's real. love and yeah. again all it is is a product of i paid attention in class you know there was Indeed. times where you know, me and Chris would be at like the Palladium. I remember one night we was at the Palladium and, and this was like late nineties and um, nobody knew. I think he was rocking that night. Nobody knew he was there. And what he would do is he would come. He told me he would come into the venue unannounced sometimes just to see the demographic of the crowd. Mm. So that would give him an idea of what playlist he should rock off mm. of. You know what I mean? Small techniques like that. Yeah, yeah. I took notes. You know what I mean? I took notes. So when it came to making an album, Prince Paul would take me and sit, show me little tricks of the trade or how That's to make a full out conceptual album. You know, I just paid attention, which is, again, the theme that I want to get across to these younger artists, these young brothers and sisters. Learn, get close to an OG and learn from them, Definitely. you know, while they're here because they're getting older. We're getting older. We have to absorb all this treasure trove of knowledge that they hold you know um and be, yeah, man. And be willing I just to try to do what my, what my ogs taught me and be willing to receive the baton and look at the baton as a thing exactly. of honor to take that forward right. you know what Push i'm saying forward, it, yeah it, you know, a lot of these exactly. kids just looked at it they'd be like you know what and like i said before it not a lot of this stuff is all their fault a lot of this stuff is our fault too for my generation you know when that when that whole bad boy era hit, the the whole club scene that hit real hard to the point where you know yes. a lot of us just went into clubs and we never came back. So a lot of the younger <laughs> generations right. came came behind, so they kind of had to put it together for themselves. So they 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 looking at us like, where where were y'all at? Yeah, what are you yeah. talking exactly. about? You know, so that, that's the issue that 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 we're dealing with right now. Exactly. You know, and exactly. I, w I wanted to ask you, Last Emperor, like, again, man, thank you for taking such extended time with us. Um, I did want to ask you, though, before we got out of here, like, what's, what's, what's next for you, man? And I know this is probably a question you probably get a lot, but I feel like for people who have been following you from the jump, um, they really are still interested. I, I feel like they're still interested to see what's next. And I know you know, you still got the lyricism in you. So what do you have on the radar next, musically? Yeah, definitely just, um, you know, striving to expand in terms of, um, like, I just think that there's a certain core to hip-hop that needs to be in place no matter how much people extend. Like, you're going to get that boom back from me regardless. I'm right. not going to get, because to me, that is what makes hip-hop hip-hop. If I wanted to make jazz music, I would go do that. If I mm -hmm. wanted to make R&B, I would go do that. But in my opinion, that drum beat and that drum pattern, which imitates the heartbeat, is hip-hop. That boom back, as KRS-One describes it. Right. Mm -hmm. So as long as you, do, you, you lay a foundation of that, you can put anything on top of that. So, um, you know, fortunately enough, I found my niche with an artist. Um, a, a producer like Hawk Fillmore. Okay. I'm going to do whatever I can to get him out there more. He also has a, he's been working with um, like, you remember Molly G from Death Squad. He's got like wow. two projects coming out with him. 
So, you know, he's well plugged in. You're going to be hearing a lot more from him in the near future. He and I are also probably like a quarter of the way into another project, which should be coming out like early midsummer. Okay. And then after nice. that, we'll, we'll, we'll do the follow up to pro perhaps jungle gym season two. Good. So I just want to continue in that tradition of putting out records that are sort of like, um, you know, continuations of other records. And I think that, you know, um, when you listen to something like animalistics, that was somewhat of the springboard for like what I'm, what I'm striving to do with jungle Jim nice. and not only just being an imaginative, almost like Indiana Jones sort of character, but we want to get more into awareness of conservation of preserving the earth of, um, you know, just being a lot more conscious about, you know, this, uh, this tremendous vehicle that we all live on, this living, breathing vehicle, yes. uh, 196,940,000 square miles known as the planet Earth. So we want to continue making records that have fun and also educate at the same time. You know, um, Man, so that's that pretty is... much it. Anybody out there that's listening, if they, you know, have some interesting stuff that's progressive that they want to work on, I'm always free and open to work with anybody that's striving to put out positive music. And, you know, I'll rock with anybody, man. Like a lot of times the collaborations that I get just from people just reaching out, like right. just like you, you brothers did and saying like, yo, what are you up to? I want to see if you still got it. want to see if you can get on this record or what have you. So that's pretty much it for the near future. Again, jungle gym season two sometime this year. But even before nice. that, maybe like midsummer, nice. you're gonna get another last emperor project. Beautiful. Right, we beautiful definitely man. check definitely checking for that, brother. You know. We appreciate all of this time, the wealth of knowledge that you poured out in here, man. And we just, you know, just we just know that this is gonna do something, you know what I'm saying? And it's gonna set something off for the next generations to come, man. You know. Definitely. I man. appreciate it. Yeah. I greatly appreciate it. I appreciate everything you brothers are doing you know, on out the box for the culture at large. I'm going to, I'm glad you, you reached out because now that I'm aware of you, I'll be listening and watching Thank and promoting you, it. I'm going to tell everybody that I know to check it out. Yeah. And uh, I'm telling you out of everything that's out here right now, there is a lot. I think this is one of the more serious platforms of having a real discussion about the culture. Thank so you, anything I so can much. do, man, just don't hesitate to reach out to me and let me know. And I'll be, I'll be on deck. You heard? Indeed, Word. indeed. Wow. It, um, just give the people like where, like, say, if people want to reach out to you or just to keep connected with you. What's the platforms or is the best way to keep up with Last Emperor? Yeah, definitely. Pretty much on um, the same way you brothers did. Okay. You know, I move. I don't move too much on social media and sure. all that, but they could just hit up uh, the Last Emperor E M P E R O thirteen. So that's the last emperor one three on Twitter. Okay. And um, I do a fairly decent job at getting back at people, especially once I do the knowledge and find out that they're, you know, up on the up and up and it's positive and all that. I will reach back. So mm -hmm. definitely um, just check me out, y'all. And, you know, you know, peace to everybody out there. And thank you once again. Brother, I just want to know that we know we, we love you and we love what you do, man. And listen, we stuck for the life, brother. Mutual, we yo. stuck. We stuck for life, brother. You know yeah, what I'm man. saying? Keep, this ain't just this rising. interview. Keep you know? you know. Keep rising. Keep 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 putting out 
that integrity music, man, because that's what we represent, man. Like we, if you just do a history on what we've been doing since 2008, like the, um, the integrity of the artist means a lot to us. And just the idea of pushing the culture forward by being inspiring and uplifting. And like you said, bringing some level of education mm -hmm. um, to um, the music. I feel like it is so needed. And I think you said earlier, Last Emperor, that, um, you know, hip hop, people recognize the power of hip hop, right? Like it could be, an elder once told me it could be used to do, like not just hip hop, but music in general. It could be used to do negative but it could also do use to do positive it could be used to empower exactly and i feel like you've done that with your music so we salute you if you never do a record again <laughs> you know what i mean which i know you will but we salute you just off of the strength of what you've contributed to the art form that's love right yes, there man. man i appreciate y'all and love y'all brothers as well and my door is always open in fact uh, we're going to stay in touch I got uh, some new T-shirts from the uh, Lord of the Fly project, mm -hmm. hot off the presses. We're going to make sure we send you guys some merch as well. Wow, yo, that's what's up. And keep us updated with the music, man. I'm looking forward to the, the next Hack Fillmore collab project. So that's what's up. All right. True indeed. True indeed. Let's give our brother a round of applause. You know what I'm saying? Respect, respect. Yeah. So let's go out with some music. Yeah. What, what, what record do you want to take us out last night? Um, any record or something, my stuff, or what are we just saying? Any record, whatever you want, whatever you want, bro. I mean, we could go with something from either the Hack Fillmore, uh, you know, the Jungle Gym album, or we could go with something from the music, Magic okay. and Myth. Let's go, <laughs> let's go off, the, let's go from the title track of Jungle Gym, which is uh, Jungle Gym. All right, you know, um, back again for the party people. All right, so here it is, Last Emperor. <laughs> Signing off on Out the Box. Thank you again, my brother. Much respect. Yo, last imp. Yo, what happened? Yo, what happened to peace? Peace, 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 peace. 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 All right. <laughs>